Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. Well, I remind my body what I told it uh, many, many years ago. You never let an old person move into your body. Just don't let them, don't let <laughs> right. that happen. Get know? out of here. So, and I do that. I mean, literally, if I'm sitting down and I go to get up and I, I do one of those old persons, ooh, ooh, this hurts creaky and my bones and all of that stuff, and I stop myself instantly and say, no, 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 there's no old person moving into this body. Um, and now it's like I'm putting... Uh, you know, I'm doing things that I wasn't even able to do just uh, just a few a few months ago. Well, I love so what you say about aging. Just real quick, where you know, there's not one cell of my 21 year old body left in. Yes, that's I think, right. I think yeah. that's funny because it's so true. Yeah. You know, and then you don't really realize that sometimes you catch a look at yourself. Mm. Like, Who is that? You know. And so much <laughs> of what happens to you when you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and so on is uh, is really dependent on. I remember a study I read years ago. It's like the the, the most common predictor of what your uh, age, what your life is going to be life over 60 is what you believe about aging when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Like, in other words, what, how much subconscious mind programming uh, do you uh, get into that you're not even aware of um, that says, well, when you get older, you know, you have to slow down. When you get older, your mind starts to go. When you get older, um, you know, things start to deteriorate, things break down, and so on. And basically, I remember being on a program with Deepak in London one time and uh, you know at the palladium and we were talking about and and deepak was saying you know the dna that is uh, in your you know that is uh, responsible for everything that's in physically in your body is uh, way over 600,000 years uh, old there is absolutely you know that mis- that and he said aging is a mistake of the intellect uh, so that, uh, you know, if your intellect, if your mind starts telling you that this is what has to happen and this is what's going, and you start programming yourself that way, and then all of a sudden you look at the calendar one day and you say, oh, my God, I'm 60. How did that happen? Oh, this <laughs> hurts. And then you start talking about my old bones and poor me and, you know, things are breaking down and I can't remember. I forget too much. And, you know, so it's just a constant reminder that, uh, you know, that it doesn't have to be a debilitating experience, this uh, this idea of aging. In fact, it ought to be something that's just Profound and wonderful, and uh, you know, keeping. It, really. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, we had age. a. Yeah, this <laughs> week we had a uh, a reminder of someone that is very close to all of us, Robin Williams, mm. uh, Mork uh, from Mork and so Mindy, and. Sad. Uh, I've been yeah. watching Robin Williams mm. movies all weekend. I saw Goodwill Hunting. Mm. I even watched yes. Aladdin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. He yeah. just was so talented and, and gone. I, I never way met too the soon. man, but I, f- I felt like I knew him. I, I, I particularly loved his uh, his just ability to be in front of an audience and to just take on a, an, an endless number of characters. Um, it's uh, the minute that I found out how it had happened that he had uh, chosen to you know use a belt to hang himself. My immediate thought was. Um, from my friend uh, Kim, whose husband uh, uh, Woody, and he has a, a website called WoodyMatters.com, um, and Woody was a, a you know a young man who was in his early 40s, and he was he had insomnia, uh, and he went to the doctor, and they gave him an antidepressant to take, and he took it for six weeks or so, and he went back to the doctor, and he just said, I just feel like my head doesn't belong on my on my body, and I just just can't figure out what is going on here, and it just like he said, I want to feel like I want to pull my head off my body. And the doctor convinced him that uh, that it just takes a little while to get adjusted to these you know to these antidepressants and and about four weeks later his wife came home uh, who was my daughter's Tracy's best friend uh, and uh, he had hanged himself 
And this decision to, to do that, to hang particularly to end your life in that way, um, and you hear these you hear these comments on on all of the commercials on television. You know, if you have thoughts of suicide when you're on this uh, drug, and I think, why would we even be marketing something out there that that creates thoughts of suicide in a certain percentage of people that use it? Um, so, um, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I know some people really benefit a lot from antidepressants, but uh, I know that he 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 talked about um, when when this. Uh, when this depression would come and hit over him, it was like a black cloud that he just couldn't, uh, you know, get himself out of. Um, and on the other side of it, I just think that all of us have have the right to make the choice to uh, to you know leave this corporeal world, the physical world that we're in, uh, at any time that we want. Um, and that's it was certainly his choice. And I have nothing but love and respect for this man. And, um, and such an uh, outpouring of of people and so much love. I mm-hmm. wonder if he. If he knew that or, or felt that mm-hmm. how many people loved him, and I've noticed too, just on our Hay House Radio Facebook page and on my own news feed, so many people that y- you wouldn't think are dealing with that particular issue that mm-hmm. are going through dealing with depression. It's such a huge, huge problem. It really is. And, and you mm-hmm. would think, oh, look at Robin Williams; he has the world, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, he has everything. And yeah, so he's on, got yeah. everything mm-hmm. to us. You yeah. know, but just shows goes to show we don't know. Mm, what's going on in someone's mm. head or their life and how we really should be. And one of the things, since, since this is my show, I can speak about whatever I want to speak about on the show. I think <laughs> That's true. I do think that one of the, you know, in reading Wheat Billy and in the last year and a half since I have gone gluten-free, uh, I've noticed a very, uh, you know, a different way I have of processing the world and that the, the gluten and depression go together. Um, and I was really surprised at that when I read that. But uh, how many people report when they get... You know, when they clean up their diet, when they really get themselves more purified, and particularly when they get the gluten out of their uh, and the wheat out of their <clears throat> diets, how how much of the depression just seems to lift. Mm-hmm. So, for those of it's you out there, it's it's, cer- it's certainly worth something to look at. There's a lot of studies on it, and um, you know, but it's studies don't matter because the you know every single individual out there is unique, um, and we can't make an assumption because you know th- this is true for one person that is true for everyone. Um, but anyway, Robin, yeah, uh, Nanu Nanu, is that what he used to say? <laughs> yep. Nanu Nanu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that is what. Um, but and in, he in would want all of us to, to be smiling and laughing. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think he would. I was going to mm-hmm. say, in addition yeah. to Robin Williams, you know, one of the many things that have been on our, our Facebook feeds over the past week. And, um, also we've got stories for Wayne at hayhouse.com and people commenting on the Facebook post that you made not too long ago about Marcus. Yeah, that's what I want to we talk want to about today that. on this show. And I want to encourage people to call in who might have stories like this because um, I'm doing a book. We're going to do a book with my uh, <coughs> with the person who's my assistant here on Maui. Her name is Dee Garns, um, and, and she's uh, compiling all of these stories. So there's a, a, a website, not a website, but an email address uh, called Stories, S-T-O-R-I-E-S, for Wayne, F-O-R. W-A-Y-N-E, at hayhouse.com, stories for Wayne, at hayhouse.com. And if you know of uh, any incident, because what we're going to do is put together in one book all the different things that young children, it's all based on this idea from a a great poem uh, written by William Wordsworth back in the 19th century. Uh, He said, you know, our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. 
And when little Marcus, if you go on my Facebook page, you'll see if you just scroll down from a few, a few days ago uh, or last week, um, <clears throat> a, a story of, uh, you know, when, when Marcus was asked by his uh, mom, what is, uh, what is God like? Uh, and he's only 18 months old. <clears throat> he says very few words. He just opened up his arms and held them up to the sky and said, light. Uh, and I, so I posted that, and then a lot of people started commenting. Um, well, there were hundreds and hundreds of uh, comments of people who had talked about how their children had said that they had, uh, you know, they knew they, they actually picked their parents, they chose them. And Brian Weiss says that in, in, in uh, Many Lives, Many Masters, and in many of the uh, past life work that he does. You know that children literally do pick their parents from the world of spirit, and, uh, and so that if you have stories about that or anything that uh, young children, particularly young uh, children who are just learning to speak, who are still connected to and close to uh, their source from which they originated, to which we will all return, um, and there's just memories of that and, and and stories about that, and some of the stories are just absolutely fascinating. Things that children have said. Uh, to their parents and one of I can remember I'll tell you one story and then we'll take some calls and, but if you're out there and you'd like to call in uh, and you have a story like that um, I'd like to get more of them and I'd also like you to send it to me at uh, at stories for Wayne at hayhouse.com and we'll put them all together and um, and uh, by sending them you, you give us permission to uh, print them so that we don't have to uh, you know look for every single person's permission and so on um, but many, many years ago, um, we were uh, in our family, we, our family kept growing, and we were looking to hire somebody to uh, come and help us out, so sort of an all-pair kind of situation. Um, and several uh, people came. They were mostly uh, young women in their 20s and 30s. And um, one day, one one of the people that was coming to, uh, you know, to interview for a job, um, uh, my little daughter Summer was... Uh, just learning to talk. She might have been, uh, I don't think she was even two years old. And she went up to this woman, we'll just call her Grace, and uh, and she looked at her and, and she said, uh, and she put her hand on her stomach uh, and said to uh, Grace, she said, uh, I see that baby in Dale. Those were exactly the way she spoke. <laughs> I see that baby in Dale. Um, and Grace didn't say anything and all that, but we found out later that Grace uh, ha- hadn't told anyone that she was that she was late, that she was pregnant, and that um, and that she was planning to uh, to end that pregnancy because she wasn't married and blah blah blah. So, um, but this was like this is the kind of thing I was like where a child just has a sort of an intuitive kind of knowing about something and will spit it out, especially when they're just learning to talk and when just learning to put thoughts and words together. Um, and many, many stories that came out on the face. Did you look at the Facebook page and, and see a lot of the, the comments so and the stories, many stories of people? And they're so touching, really heartwarming mm. stories. Yeah. And the, the interesting about it isn't just a, 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 a I want to write uh, or put together a book and then write some of my comments about it uh, on, on what children say to give us evidence that there is, uh, a, you know, past lives and so on. But um, but that you can start to look at, at these babies 
and uh, even even in utero uh, and when they're when they're just infants and when they're just toddlers and instead of thinking that it's my job to teach them how to uh, adjust to this world here on earth and so on from wherever it is that they came from that you might look instead of looking at them as students and you as the teacher to reverse that and to look at these babies and, t- and talk to them from that perspective of uh, what is God like and what, uh, what, what do you remember and why did you pick me? Why did you pick me to be your mommy? And, and Because there's so many stories about children giving evidence that they did it and then being able and then actually giving really hard evidence. Um, there's a new book coming out. Uh, I think it's coming out in October or November of this year about a fellow who took five cases of uh, people one of them was a uh, was a uh, a pilot on uh, in Iwo Jima during World War II and this young boy gave so much specific information about what you know because he had been oh, this pilot that. on the about the plane yeah. and like drop tanks right. and things and, that he would and, never have known and and recognizing the voice of one mm-hmm. of the people that had was there with the, with him on Iwo Jima and the families and and so on another was the the one of the people who was the, involved with Gone with the Wind uh, and, and had written the you know and so he's he's done this like and he's a scientist who has concluded now that he said I think we have more scientific hard evidence to prove that there is life be- before and after this uh, parentheses in eternity called our visit here on earth uh, there's more evidence to support the fact that that exists than there is uh, for all of the doubt- doubting people who believe that it's just not possible and it's just uh, you know that the evidence is getting more and more and more confirmed and of course Brian has talked about that and and Mira Kelly has as uh, when I was listening to the show on the way in I I uh, I saw that there was an ad, you know, for Mira's new book, Beyond, uh, Beyond, uh, how is it? Past Beyond Lives. Past Lives. <laughs> Beyond Past Lives, which is a wonderful book. I know Mira, I wrote the foreword for it. Uh, and I had an, an enormous, just a, an astonishing uh, past life experience uh, that I had never had before. And I wrote about it in Wishes Fulfilled. So, it's fascinating um, to think about. And, and Dr. Weiss has shared also in his talks about a child that he had lost previously and had gotten information about about that child what do you mean he had Um, lost uh, his his wife and i had um you know not had lost a baby carol yes Mm -hmm. and this Uh was way previously and he hadn't really told anybody about it and he was oh you mean the the child had died you mean right uh, right uh, mm -hmm. and And he was in a session with um i think it was with Catherine in the first book many lives many masters Mm -hmm. and she told him about that you know about the baby that they had lost mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he was he was shocked you know because mm. he had never mentioned that really to anybody yeah well it's anyway those kind of stories they fascinated me because every time i've always been just so fascinated with babies um well, you've had and, enough of them. Uh, i certainly have <laughs> <laughs> um but they um I don't know. There's just something, especially about newborn babies and all of that. That's like they have a knowing. There's some kind of a knowing and a, and a, a connection that um, you know that you have with these with these you know these beautiful little beings who have just shown up and with like this tabula rasa, this uh, blank slate. You know, just mm-hmm. willing. To, but I don't think they come in with such a blank slate. I don't. I don't know that John Locke was right about that. I think that uh, I think they may some come babies in with are old souls, don't you? Yeah. 
Mm, I do. And I think, well, I don't know, even the word old, the more I'm studying what I'm studying now, I've been doing a lot of studying on the impersonal uh, self and on the this is light and so on that I talked about last week. Um, the, the word old implies, uh, you know, time. And uh, in the world of the infinite, just think, I mean, from the perspective of the infinite, um, individuality is an impossibility. Uh, and age and something being older or younger than something else because it's it's just all now and it's just all one. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we use the word old because we don't have anything else. To, but but that's because we believe in so, you know, we're so conditioned to believe in cause and effect and this is before this and then this is after this. But imagine if there is no before and there is no after. Imagine if it really is just all one, you know, that... That line that I use so often in my talk that Carl Jung talked about, he said, at the same moment, the very same moment that you're a protagonist in your own life and you're making choices, at that very same moment, you're also the spear carrier or the extra in a much larger drama. And that he said, you're doomed to make choices. You know, that's, it's all laid out there for you and you can just uh, sort of do course corrections, but it's all, it's all one. Uh, and that timeless, spaceless kind of uh, consciousness uh, it's something that intrigues me, and it's, remember what words, words, words are, our birth, our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. Um, see these infants and see these children, all of them. I mean, all of these people who are in ISIS, you know, who are out there doing these horrible things to the, to people over there in Iraq. All of this this crazy devastation that's taking place in the, in the Ukraine and in Gaza and in North Korea and uh, in <clears throat> so many places around the planet, in Africa and so on, that every single one of them are performed by people who at one time just came here from, you know, this infinite place of just divine love, you know, and, 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 and a place of just kindness and goodness. And somehow they got, uh, they got it all turned around and, uh, and, and started uh, forgetting about their, what, what uh, Lao Tzu called our original nature. And our original nature is uh, uh, is gentleness and kindness, softness, and uh, and service to each other. And somehow that got all lost. Mm -hmm. Now, will you be talking about that with your new program about trying to get back to that feeling, that original, oh, yes. original absolutely. feeling of, of divine love? Absolutely, it's uh, it's something that we've all got to recapture. You know, and, and it's. Violence, you know, darkness does not bring an end to darkness. You know, the only thing that will bring an end to the darkness on our planet is light. You know, um, when you walk into a room, as Abraham says, there's no, uh, there's no dark switch. There's no, you turn the darkness on. There's only a light switch. And the way to end darkness is just bring a little bit of light. So that's why it's called a light switch. You just turn on the light and the darkness dis disappears. In fact, the darkness is converted to light and that's even more important to know as an alchemist that it isn't like i i you know, i got darkness over here and i got light over here and i'll bring uh, <clears throat> uh and i'll bring to the light and then i'll make the darkness go away what you do is you convert the darkness into light uh, by by light by being light yourself and there's just way too much darkness in our in our world and, and way too much hatred and anger towards all of these evil and horrible things that are ta taking place out there and we try to end it by, by doing the very same thing that they're doing. We just do more killing and 
we've got to figure it out. I mean, that's that's what Jesus' message was about. That's what Buddha's message, that's what all of the great spiritual masters who ever lived, that's what their message is. Even though it just seems like the only way we can get rid of that, uh, that cancer in our world is by going in there and... Uh, you know, and being violent for, with it. I used to use the image, I think I talked about it on the radio show recently, of uh, of dandelions. Remember dandelions? And they have that little, those little fuzz balls at them. At the, oh, at, yes. the, at the end of the year, they have those little fuzzy things on them on your, on your lawn. And I always imagine if someone goes out there with a shovel or a spade and just starts smacking, you know, all of the, uh, and using violence to try to get rid of the dandelions, uh, and then you smack all of those little fuzz balls, and all it does is just send out more and more little seeds. And then in the spring, you've got twice as much because when you use violence, um, you just pre- you just create the next generation and the next generation of people who have more and more hatred. And the best way to get rid of the the uh, you know the dandelions that are growing in your lawn that you don't want there is to just gently go around and just remove each one of them uh, with kindness. And then in the spring you won't have a new generation um, of uh, of things that you don't want. And let's go to Casey in Los Angeles, calling on line two. Hello there. Hi, Casey. Hi, how are you, Dr. Dyer? Good. Do you remember the poem, Casey at the Bat? Yeah, I sure do, of course. Do you? <laughs> I do. do you... Yeah, it was told to me a lot as a child. Yeah, do you know it? Uh, not by heart. No, I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, rem- I remember it very well. I'm the name Casey. That could be a man <laughs> or a woman, couldn't it? It is, yes. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for taking my call today. I'm so... You're very welcome. so excited that I got through... Um, I recently, in the last nine months, um, got sober. I quit drinking alcohol, and that was huge for me. Um, oh, I'll so say, trust, I, trust yeah. me, I, I know how huge that is. <laughs> yes, um, what a journey sober life is in a, a real, um, just a different way, a, a spiritual path. And I'm really, um, I know that I'm on the right track and every day trying to make the right choices and be patient with this and give so much mm-hmm. of what I tried to control with alcohol over to God. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I, I, I'm searching for some peace internally. Um, I manifest a lot of my emotions physically, um, and currently I'm doing that through a herpes outbreak on my face, and I've always had them, but it just, it's, it's so, so hard for me, and I go into hiding and really struggle with that and so mm. I just felt so compelled to just reach out today and see if there was any any gift that you could give me in dealing with this yeah well you know when you you know the word herpes has got such an awful uh, connotation to it but it's it really, really just a, it's just it's especially when it's above the waist it's just it's really just a chicken pox kind of thing mm-hmm. that it's so I can tell you many people in my own family um, my 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 ex-mother-in-law, two of my daughters, um, you know, have had these kinds of things. And it's sort of a common thing in, in our society. I wouldn't give any special, uh, you know, attention to it and credence to it. And to understand also that, uh, you know, what you believe about it is going to be, you know, in, in terms of how long it's uh, going to last and, and how much, how painful it's going to be and, and so on. Um, it's really shingles is basically what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So number one is I, w- I wouldn't, I would, wouldn't put my attention on it. I'd, certainly I wouldn't think of it in terms of you're being punished because the universe doesn't work that way. It's not, uh, you know, you, you didn't get this because you did something wrong or whatever. Basically probably what's happening since you, how long did you drink? 
Um, I would say yeah. heavily for about six years. And what do you mean by heavily? Um, almost every day. Um, always, usually to blackout. Um, I, it was, you know, I, I'm in AA and it, every mm-hmm. story is different. I would say that uh, I definitely am worse than others and not as bad as some. So. Yeah. Right. But what what has happened? And what made you decide to stop that? I mean, that that was a very, very big decision. How old are you? Uh, I am uh, 32. I, it, 30. was, it was literally, I was struggling and praying, and it was God. It really was finally just certain things in my life that I think I gave up and um, just was praying for the strength to quit because... I knew that if I was going to live the life that I wanted and be the woman that I was going to be, there was no way that I could continue mm-hmm. drinking. Um, right. And so I was, I was just praying for, for that strength. And one mm-hmm. day I woke up and knew that that was it. Tell me about that day, and what happened uh, the day before. Uh, the day before was my sister's birthday. My mom was in town, and I was really battling with it. Uh, I knew that I didn't want to drink, but I, I did anyway. It was my sister's birthday. We were celebrating and we went out that night and a few things happened and um, a lot of my anger towards my mother came out and I mm. really um, I didn't, I felt really terrible after that. I felt really guilty. I knew that I I wasn't happy with the way that I communicated with her while mm-hmm. I was drinking. Um, and so I woke up the next day and um, I received an email. I, I bartend as well. And we used to be able to drink while on the job and certain things happened with other coworkers. And the first email that I read when I woke up was that we were no longer allowed to drink at work. And that was the gift that I needed. That was yes. this structure that, I needed to know that I didn't have this option anymore. Mm-hmm. And how long did you? How long did you think about quitting drinking, but didn't didn't uh, didn't do the drinking? How, how, I mean, where, you, where it was really something you, you was occupying your inner world. Years. I would go to Years. therapy. Yep, every week, uh, and speak with my therapist about mm-hmm. my battle with it. Um, mm-hmm. About how I knew that if I removed this one thing from my life every area would improve. I knew that. Mm. Mm. And and do you feel like you're getting guidance now? Do you think that there's angels around you or some kind of invisible intelligence or something giving you? Because you talked about a new strength now that you have that you didn't have before. What is that I strength? I do. I think that I really, just in this last two weeks, I finally have accepted that through mm-hmm. The months before, I I knew that it was a divine presence that helped me to stop drinking, but I was still trying Mm -hmm. to control every aspect of how that looked and Mm -hmm. what my involvement in my sobriety was, especially with the AA program, which has been so Mm -hmm. amazing for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I finally, um, I had a couple weeks ago, one little, just like a minor sip um, and I didn't even really swallow it, and it brought me to my knees. And mm-hmm. I, I scared myself to where I, I, I knew I wasn't in control of this, mm-hmm. and I have to give it up to something. And so, forgiveness is just so on my mind. And um, yeah, you mentioned your mom and that all of this hatred towards your mom. What's that about? Um, I, I'm frustrated with her. 
um, and my father, both of them, and my relationship with them, and um, the anger I have about the way that I guess maybe they raised me or they didn't nourish me in the ways that I so, so desire as a young child, and I'm still mm -hmm. moving through that anger and, and really learning how to nourish myself. Yeah. And, um, it's it's a it's a grieving process, and I just find my body screaming out. Yeah. Well, just think. Is it Peg? Is that what your name is? is it, what's your first name? Casey. Casey. Oh yeah, Casey yeah. at the bat. Um, <laughs> the um, mighty Casey has struck out. That was the last line in that poem. Uh, and you haven't. You got it. You hit a home run. Um, but I'm thinking about it. instead of uh, having all of this anger and so on towards your parents and, and thinking that they might be the reason why you looked for something external to yourself to bring you happiness and you know and, and go through that whole litany of uh, of stuff where you're you're still blaming but you're just trying to you're trying to not blame but you really are. Um, okay. To, to see uh, everything that they did and, and to see that, you know, it's like this this decision that you made, like the most important, probably the most significant decision that I made in my entire lifetime was almost 30 years ago, now 27, 28 years ago, um, when I decided that I wasn't going to drink alcohol anymore and I just just walked away from it, just just let it go. And I always tell people it's the, sm it's the smartest thing that I ever did um, because my teacher in India had said that if you want to reach your full your maximum level of uh, your, your, your fulfilling your own dharma and, and do what you came here to do, that you can't do it when you, you know, you're putting alcohol into your body. So, and I think about the, 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 what that did for me and the strength that it gave me and the, and the way that it uh, propelled me into a whole new consciousness in which I could just, I could make a decision about something that's so tough for so many people. And in one moment, have the guidance, have the ability, have the, the help, the assistance, whatever it is that I need and to know that it's always there and it's going on 30 years. And it's like the, the idea of, of putting alcohol into my body is, is this, it, it would be a tantamount to me saying, would you like to have some rat poison or something? I mean, it's just so silly. It would seem so silly to me, but I, I look, back at that at those times uh and the and the strength that it gave me and i think that strength it not only gave me the strength you know to take care of my personal life in a, in a healthier way and my my own my own health in a, in a in a better way but it also gave it gave made me realize that inside of each and every one of us there is something that is um, that is so strong, and it's it's like I call it the impersonal part of us. It's this divine intelligence that's in everything, and when you begin to realize that, when you connect to that and allow it to be the guiding force in your life, and that's what AA really is about. I mean, you know, is what's the first step? You know, you have to admit, you know, that yep. you are powerless before this, uh, you know, before this. It's the substance, whatever it might be, and it's like in the admission of that and, and just saying, but I, I'm not powerless in, in, in my ability to just, you know, make incredible decisions about what, I, what my life is going to be. And, um, and by the way, I was just a, I was a little bit older than you are now when I made that decision and what a huge impact that it had on me in my life. So I, instead of being mad at your parents, you might be, you might want to be in a state of gratitude uh, for them. It's what I was talking about at the beginning of the show with Diane. Yeah, is I that think you know that I, when I we have that. yeah when we get more love into our hearts and and appreciation and and be in a state of gratitude, you know, for you are your parents still alive? They are yes. 
Yeah, I would try to. I would try to develop a, a, a. I would try to fall in love with my parents if I were you, my dear. You know, now while they're st- while they're still here, no matter what it is, it's like uh, you know. And who are you to to uh, say that they should have done it any differently? They did what they knew how to do. You know, given out. the conditions of their life, they only did what they knew how to do. And um, if you can love them for that, wow, you can't imagine how far you're going to go, Casey. You'll never strike out again. And you know, I've been looking for uh, some stories to share with you from callers, and I think we have one mm-hmm. here about what we were okay. talking about earlier in the show about uh, kind of remembrances from uh, mm-hmm. from whence we came. So yes. let's go to Rachel, and she's in Vancouver on line four. And thanks for holding, Rachel. You're on with Dr. Dyer. Hi, yay! I'm in Hi, too. Rachel. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are I'm you, dear? Good. I'm good, thanks. Um, yeah, this isn't my story. It's my partner's mom's story. So uh-huh. I don't really tell it properly. But um, oh. my partner's brother, when he was a little toddler, he started to talk to her about Indians, cowboys and Indians, and describing in detail. How old was he? Do you know? He was about three, I think. Okay. I think it's about three, but she just mm-hmm. she told me this story last summer, and he was he was describing these etchings of cowboys and Indians that were on these mm-hmm. beams in a room. And she looked at him and said, how do you know that? And he started describing the room. And it was the room that they were in the night he was conceived. Really? And he described it in detail. <laughs> and she was just like, whoa. All right, so she wow. and all this stuff, so... It's oh, nice will you send? Be... Will you send that to me? Take just make a note of that uh, that email address. Stories for Wayne yeah. at uh, hey at hayhouse dot com. Well, I was actually going to ask her to write it because it's yeah. Either I'd, I'd, that's a great story because, because yeah. I I know. Uh, my uh, my last daughter, when she always hears, so she's so tired of hearing me talk about her conception. Uh, <laughs> you know, she said, "Dad, that's TMI. TMI. You don't need to know that." And I said, "Well, you're going to know it anyway." And I mean, but it's it was, I wrote about it in uh, Wisdom of the Ages, and I talked about it in uh, I, I can see clearly now in my latest book. Um, but her, I mean, her her there was there was just pure absolute evidence that. Um, you know that there, there was something going on there that that night and, and in Brisbane, uh, Australia, in, on, on Valentine's Day in 1989, when my wife awoke from a you know just a deep, deep sleep and did something that she had never done before. Started rearranging the furniture and she was possessed. I couldn't even I, I would click my fingers in front of her eyes and she didn't even react. I mean she was like in a coma, and um, she started she started you know fooling around and uh, doing things that she had. Ne- she, this was not something that she. Would ever never did before and never did afterward. That was always, that was my job, the initiating all of that. <laughs> you know? I didn't mind. It was a job I loved. But um, at any rate, and and then and that you know, and we took even extra precautions, and that was the the moment when uh, you know our, yeah. our final our, our daughter was conceived, and so so that mo- that moment of uh, making a decision to leave the world of formless uh, into the world of form. It's such a spectacular thing, isn't it? I mean. Yeah. Well, exactly. You know? Like one of my friends, she told me a story that they've been trying and trying and trying and trying to have a second child. And mm-hmm. I actually taught her daughter at the dance studio, but she and she told me that she'd been going on and trying and they've been trying and they're getting really stressed and frustrated. And one night she was sitting there and she's not sure it could be like a lucid dream, whatever it was, but this little girl walked into their bedroom door and said hello. <laughs> and she got pregnant that month. And said what? And just said hello Did, to her or whatever oh, she said. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she got pregnant that month with a daughter. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. 
So I mean, the, I, the, 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 it's sort of presumptuous of all of us to assume that there isn't, you know, there's some just it's beyond description miraculous thing that is taking place every instant you know that we are here you know and it isn't just with us it's with the fish it's with, it's with the bison yeah. it's with the flowers it's with like it is things going from invisible to visible you know it's like uh, out of out of nothingness you know as, as the, remember george burns in that movie oh god yes uh with john denver you know and he said uh, he, he had a line he said uh, if you can uh, if you can make a fish from scratch then you got something now you got a yeah. miracle you know but there's something making a fish from scratch it's not you know we can't do it you know it's uh uh so so the idea that uh, that that there is um, some intelligence that is operating there and that babies especially very young babies uh, and then we yeah. seem to lose it don't we i mean that's what words were said our our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting almost as if there's a we sign a contract when we come into this world that we're not going to we're not going to talk about what it's uh, what it's like <laughs> on the other side well, but yeah, a few a few get through when i phone in, i think i uh, i teach dance and Often when I used to teach the little ones, sometimes they're four years old and they'd start staring across the room. And I'd always kind of sit there and think, I really want to ask you questions because I want to know what you're staring mm. at because I don't think it's nothing. <laughs> right? Yes. But you can't start, you know, in the middle of the <laughs> Right. Oh, what, yeah, what that... over there? <laughs> yeah. I especially I like to do that with... I'd love to do it with newborns, you know, I mean, just ba mm -hmm. babies that are just a few weeks old. Um, mm -hmm. There's, there's just, just almost like a knowing in there, you know, that they, mm -hmm. if, if they could just just express it, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. It really Definitely. is. Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks. Well, thanks to for know what they could say. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thanks for that. We're gonna we're gonna do a book on it. Yeah, <laughs> leave your leave your address there. We're gonna send you a copy of Don't Die with your music still inside you. And uh, and well, thanks for that great story. So at the welcome. moment of her conception, she described the room. Um, his his brother. Yeah, he just mm -hmm. he was describing that night that they had been together. He was describing like he started talking about cowboys and Indians, and she was like, "What?" And there had been these etchings, like you know, almost like hieroglyphic type of etchings or mm -hmm. something. It to what I believe she said, and she was describing it and described the room that they were in and, and just could describe everything in, in the room and was like, oh, do you remember when we went to this place? And she was like, you didn't go there. That was mm. before you were born. And he's like, no, no, oh. but I remember. And he started going on about yeah. cowboys and Indians. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's quite neat. <laughs> I just wonder if it's, I wonder if it's about remembering, um, well, because a great philosopher that... She Go believes ahead. that he chose his dad, that it was more mm -hmm. to do with his dad, that there was some mm -hmm. karmic thing that he needed to mm -hmm. work out with yeah. his dad. So it was more about his dad than about her. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... I think that in my own life as well, my, you know, but that the father that I never saw, the, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I did, but I was just an infant when I did, but, but his presence in my life has just been so, uh, so important and, and not only important to me, but important to millions of other people, um, who have just benefited from just that act of, uh, in 19, on the 30th of August in 1974, when I went into my father's grave and, and was able to forgive him. And I've talked about forgiveness and such a big way and so many people have been impacted by it. you know if there's an intelligence in the universe that 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 creates worlds and makes fish from scratch from scratch and roses <laughs> and and all the things that we can't do um why in the world wouldn't that intelligence be able to uh, you know communicate with us and uh, and and and, <clears throat> and bring uh 
you know, bring everything that we need for this journey here on Earth. And even if it's something we don't agree with or we don't like or we might find difficult, it doesn't make any difference. You know, right. it's not about it's not about whether you think it's the you know good or not. Um, I think my father's presence in, in 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 my life was probably the most important relationship of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it turned everything around. Every book that I wrote. Uh, came about as after, after that experience of uh, of just getting that rage and that hatred and that bitterness and that anger out of yeah. my soul. Yeah. That's something kind of cool to keep in mind, too, because you don't always know that you're having an impact on somebody's life, that you have a profound impact on their life from such a small thing you might have done 20 years ago or 10 years, right? Absolutely. And sometimes Absolutely. it comes back and they tell you and you're just Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That little laughs> so thing true. Is yeah. You can always remember back to that teacher who took camera yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Little things that sure. change well, your do you, You're a teacher of dance, so I assume you were a dancer yourself? I uh, I, I just quit last year teaching dance. Yeah. I teach Pilates uh, and dance. So, yeah. so do, do you yeah. ever have children, very young children, come into your dance studio that already yeah. already know how to dance and are actually better than you Sometimes are? And it's, just it's um, little kids are really fascinating when you watch them. There was uh, years mm-hmm. ago when I was twenty or something, I was teaching, and this one girl, her her sister would come into the class at the end of mm-hmm. the hour, and if I turned the music off, she she's on about two, she'd make a real puppy face, and I looked at her and said, "Do you want some music?" And she just look up and she starts bouncing around the room like dancing around and they never fall down <laughs> they always really? bounce back and forth and they yeah. seem to wobble all over it's like watching kids to walk they, they mm. never seem to fall down they seem to just always catch their balance with some time I mean yeah. always, I guess but yeah I it's interesting like when you let little kids just go and do their just thing be, and they get yeah. room they'll be doing weird little things and then all of a sudden they'll do like a perfect <laughs> or they'll do mm-hmm, a perfect hair right. mask and you're like, right, so you're four. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then they'll <laughs> yeah. start wobbling across the room again. So mm. it's definitely um, movement and music I, are be- something we are ingrained with growing up and mm-hmm. eaten out of you as you get older. <laughs> yes. You know, kids well, that's what my, want to move. My, my friend Buckminster Fuller used to say, every, every single person is born a genius, but life itself is what de-geniuses us. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.